Northern Brewer is the proud sponsor of the Brewing Network's Jamil Show. They have the widest selection of domestic and imported malts and grain, hops from all over the world, and a full line of liquid and dry yeast. No matter what style of beer you're brewing, Northern Brewer has the ingredients you need, plus fast shipping and expert staff to help you make the best beer possible. Please visit northernbrewer.com for all things homebrew. All homebrewers have a favorite commercial beer, but not everyone can make it. Welcome to the show that teaches you how, where you can challenge two masters, Jamil Zainashef and Tasty McDole. This is the Jamil Show. Can you brew it? Now here's Jamil. Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. It's me and... The uh, mothers and fathers out there? What's the deal? <laughs> there's mother something. Oh, mother no. something out there. Yeah, mother. There's mothers mother sitting and sons out there. You, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it, it, here's the game we need is, uh, you know, Jamel and Tasty are ninja beer warriors. Well, I bloody your giving, nose on the last giving, show. You giving yeah. circumcisions uh, oh. on the fly. Would be a good game. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'll write that down. Yeah. We'll have to speak to our fine sponsors, uh, Northern Brewer, yeah. about uh, sponsoring that uh, that effort. And, you know, I just got uh, the new Northern Brewer uh, catalog in the mail the other day. and uh, I did as well. That is a nice catalog. And I love I love uh, their descriptions of their 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 beer kits. Yeah, it's all packed tight, nice and neat. Lots of products. I love the you know a lot of good photos. It's hey, a well done catalog. Yeah. You know they're opening a new store too. Uh, a so brand new location, and they're trying What's to. What's that in Wisconsin? Is it Milwaukee? Yeah, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah, a whole new store, a whole new Milwaukee location. That'd be cool. You got to stop by there someday. Go check it out. Go check it out. Yeah, and if if uh, you want to get your hands on a Northern Brewer catalog like this, a lot of good information in it, a lot of good uh, products, and give you a lot of you know good reading by the bowl or wherever you you happen to do your catalog reading. Me, it's generally by the bowl. Uh, get onto that uh, Northern Brewer site www.northernbrewer.com, and uh, you can request a catalog there, and you can pick up some stuff. That you know, one of the things I really like is I mean, look at this. Look at this malt specialty malt selection. Mm-hmm. It's huge, it's absolutely huge. huge. They have you know uh, more malts than just about anywhere else that I've I've been. Yeah. I mean, yeah. lots of lots of stuff that's hard. To, like when we needed the. Uh, uh, the golden naked oats or whatever it was for the uh, Poland Brown. And it. Northern Brewer has it. Yeah. You need uh, Crystal 150 for uh, uh, Arrogant Bastard. They got it. Yeah. You know, they got they got pretty much everything. Yeah, the, uh, they carry a lot of Simpsons products, which is really good. Gambrinas, Brees, uh, Franco Belgies, Crisp, uh, you know, Fawcett. You know, they got a lot of the great, um, you know, British malts there as well. And I'm a big fan of the British British beers. So, uh, you know, that's a good place to go for all those those products. And they, they have high volume, so you know those products are fresh when they uh, when they sell those to you. And uh, quick shipping, cheap shipping, so really well worth the uh, the stop. And, you know, they support us. So, uh, you know, make sure they, they understand that it's appreciated keeping this show on the air. Otherwise, uh, without them. Uh, not sure we'd be here. It was up to Justin. I'm sure we'd be gone. Done. No. Need a break. Doesn't doesn't want uh, 
<laughs> us challenging them for superiority of the airwaves. No, here. I don't like it. So. T- keep a close eye on my ratings. <laughs> <laughs> That's the nose to spite your face type of thing. Yeah. Yes, I know. Um, well, and uh, what's our challenge today? Well, it's another Jolly Pumpkin Brew. Uh, yeah. Speaking of Milwaukee, uh, James Lord from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, wrote in and loves himself some Dark Lord from Jolly Pumpkin. Dark Lord and, or uh, Dark Dawn? Is that what's called Dark Dawn? Oh, right. Not, Sorry, not James Lord. That's right. James Lord Dark Dawn uh, from from uh, Jolly Pumpkin and likes Have that been beer a lot. Him today or what? It's, yes. Okay. Well, the, the simple answer. <laughs> just wanted to make to sure. This, yes. I thought maybe you hadn't, and that's why you're screwing up. You know. Drinking, say the eight ball earlier. Yeah, eight ball, yeah. Eight ball, yeah. I'm all wired. After, like going. after Bruce Strong, he had to have an eight ball to kind of <laughs> calm him down. Yeah, that's how I get calmed down after <laughs> yeah. that. After a Palmer show, um, wired for that baby. Yeah. So, Dark Dawn is your challenge today. Another tough one from Jolly Pumpkin uh, guys. And I tell you, I love those Jolly Pumpkin beers. That's some good stuff. Now, the the Madrigada Obscura. That is, uh, they call Dark Dawn, and uh, they they say it's a, a Belgian-inspired stout. Um, dark as a moonless night, brimming of roasted malts and bitter hops. Keep you good company in all places, be they light or dark. And uh, they do a lot of creative stuff there, a lot of great beers. I mean, you really got to love what they're, they're cranking out. And uh, you know, I spoke with Ron Jeffries, and he helped us out with uh, a lot of good information on how to, how to clone this beer. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, we'll hear from Ron all about Madrugada Obscura. Back after this. Hi. I have a sixer of Lagunitas in the icebox. My roommate's gone for the weekend, and I'm wearing something flimsy. Listen, baby. I told her not to call me after 8. I'll talk to you tomorrow. I gotta go. Who is that? Your girlfriend? You loser. Set up, Doug. Did you guys get the cauldron set up on the altar of my art? Sir, if you weren't so busy getting booty calls, you'd know that. The hurricane furnace is using propane while you guys talk. All right, I'm using the scroll of Mosher to boil the first decoction. Nope, it's scorched. What do you do? Frack, scoop it out and try again. Doug, use your math rake. You took too long. The color is now dark and past the point where you can still call it a pilsner. Yes, sir. I hate it when Greg's the brewmaster. What's this, Poindexter Urkel? Dude, can't you see we're in the middle of a brew session? Is that an actual beer? Yeah, I crafted it. I don't really use the dice anymore. I'm a 10th level beer nerd. (gasps) Are you a 10th level beer nerd? Do you belch White Labs 833 and crap Simcoe? Then you're in good company at Northern Brewer. Northern Brewer has all your beer nerd needs. Ingredients, equipment, and knowledge 24 hours a day at northernbrewer.com. Plus, fast, cheap shipping. Only $7.99 for the contiguous USA. And check out Northern Brewer's huge selection of dorky beer kits, including the Cylon Detecting Three-Hearted Ale and the collector's item Super Alt. Mine's in mint condition because it's still in the box. Make 10th level at northernbrewer.com. Downtown Joe's, located in the historic Oberon Building in beautiful downtown Napa, California, offers an award-winning brew pub experience from 8.30 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day. For 15 years at the corner of 2nd and Main, Downtown Joe's has been voted Best Night Spot seven times and Best Brew Pub for the last four years in a row. Brewmaster Colin Kaminsky's handcrafted ales, like his Tailwagon Amber Ale and Double Secret Probation IPA, are the perfect accent to Riverside dining, live music, and a relaxing outdoor patio. 
don't miss the Beer of the Month, Special Rotating Taps, and the BN Army Member Special. Wear your BN gear, get 10% off your beer. Visit downtownjoes.com to make reservations, peruse their extensive calendar of events, or just read more about their fantastic beers. Come enjoy the fine beer, food, and music. Downtown Joe's, the award-winning brew pub where you'll feel at home. Organic ingredients. Fresh, clean, good for you, good for the planet. And Seven Bridges has the best selection in the world. Everything is a click away at breworganic.com. Join the mailing list for special deals and regular updates about new products and specials. They have been brewing organic and serving organic brewers for almost 12 years. They can help you brew great organic beer. Take the National Organic Brewing Challenge, the only BJCP-sanctioned nationwide brewing competition just for organic beers. Enter the competition by October 10th for your chance to win great prizes, including a hands-on brewing experience at an organic brewery, brewing equipment, or organic brewing ingredients. Complete details about the competition are online at breworganic.com slash competition. Seven Bridges is cooperatively owned in awesome Santa Cruz, California. Everyone there is dedicated to worker and people-friendly business practices and environmentally friendly, worker-friendly brewing products whenever possible. Visit today, breworganic.com. This is Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to the Brewing Network. I'm speaking with Ron Jeffries, brewmaster owner of Jolly Pumpkin Artisan Ales out in Dexter, Michigan. How you doing today, Ron? Oh, I'm really well. I'm really well. Thank you. Right. Um, Ron, you know, every time I, I see the uh, incredible list of beers and uh, each one that, that, that you guys make, each one is so unique, has such a, uh, a great, um, exciting, um, you know, description of it, you know, and, and, and the beers are, are really fantastic. It, tell me a little bit about how you got into brewing and how you got to the point where instead of making a pale ale and a, an amber ale and a stout, you're making, um, you know, uh, these art, pieces of art, these works of art. How, you know, how, how do you, how did you get started on this and how did you get to the point where you have such great creativity in what you're creating? Well, it's a, a long story. And probably not a super exciting story, but I, the descriptions I can I can start with that. I well, undergraduate degree in English literature, and I think that it's I've always enjoyed uh, writing and, and and words, and I think that it's important to do a few things: is convey to the people drinking our beer or looking to drink our beer what sort of flavors they can find or what what sort of a little story is involved in the beer or or something at least interesting to to look at i mean my my labels uh, they tend to be short the description is relatively short and to the point and then i i read some of the labels like tommy arthur puts out for his lost abbey beers and i go oh man why didn't i think of that <laughs> uh, but uh so I, I suppose there's a little bit of that from all sides um i started studying brewing science in graduate school and at that time I decided that working in a small brewery was what I wanted to do. I, I knew I wanted to work in a small brewery. I didn't have any interest in, in larger breweries and uh, I liked a lot of the aspects that I saw at smaller breweries bringing together uh, science and craft and art all together in one kind of busy and uh, energy intensive day 
and, and that's that's what I, I, I was attracted to that. Um, I was working on a master's of science at the time, uh, so I had a little bit of a scientific uh, kind of a background uh, in some narrow respects, I guess. Uh, and uh, uh, I was just really intrigued. And, of course, then you're making beer, and I always enjoyed beer. And as more and more craft beer came to be available, I, I enjoyed it more and more and became more and more interested in uh, in doing that for for profession and finally convinced some folks to uh, to hire me and I had started working on my business plan for my own brewery even before I started working in another brewery and of course at that time you, you mentioned pale ale and porter and stout and that that's what was in my business plan because back then I mean those were pretty crazy beers pale ale and, mm-hmm. and the like and so those were the beers that I thought I would one day be be brewing at, at my brewery and as, as the years went on and and people's tastes changed and horizons broadened and I brewed uh, you know batch and after batch after batch after batch of pale ale porter and stout um, and I saw all these other wonderful pale ales and porters and stouts out there I started changing my my business plan and it, it changed over the years from different different styles and I, I finally settled on you know the complexity that we were seeing in some of the the beers coming out of uh, Belgium and northern France and, and some other areas that were just really interesting, really complex, with a lot of challenging uh, characteristics that we just weren't we weren't finding in um, American craft beer. American craft beer was phenomenal, you know, great pale ales, porter stout, IPAs, but I didn't see any American craft brewers really embracing these other styles with some of these yeasts that are becoming you know more common these days. And the brewers that were, I was. You know, and in the breweries that I've been worked at, working at, I was of course playing with some of these yeasts and things. And and again, I wasn't really as I was trying to figure out how they work because they work very differently than you're trained that yeast is supposed to work in some cases, and um, or that you read that it's supposed to work. And you have to do some things that you wouldn't really consider are going to make good beer that end up making great beer. Um, and so I was fortunate enough to work in some really busy. Uh, breweries and, and brew lots of beer and design lots of recipes and uh, play around with a lot of different especially malts and different hop varieties and uh, really really fortunate first 10 years of my career doing that and so when it came time to open Jolly Pumpkin I think it was uh, maybe even the summer or, or two before we opened my wife and I were sitting in the backyard drinking some sour beer and I forget which which sour beer it was. I kind of wish I remember now because everybody asked, "What were you drinking?" And I'm like, "I don't I don't remember." But we were drinking some sour beer, and I said, "You know," and we had the business plan. We were going to do these French and Belgian style beers, blah blah blah. And I said, "You know, if we could just do oak aged sour beer, I think that would be it. that would be all right." And uh, she just looked at me and said, "Why don't Why don't you?" who is and I said nobody is there's no information on it I don't know how to do it um, and I had I had done it uh, at, at one of the breweries I worked at we had done a little bit of of course we had been doing you know uh, bourbon barrel aged beers and I did do one oak aged sour beer at, at one of the breweries and I had, had kind of a hint of how that, that might work so I, I took her at her word and I said okay and I changed the business plan and the next thing you knew we were going to be brewing 100% oak aged uh, wild and sour style beers um Fortunately, the bank didn't know what that meant, and they were still happy to back our SBA loan uh, because at the time, and this was only a few, you know, only five and a half years ago at this point, 
but the market for sour beers and the education level for sour beers was nothing like it is today. I mean, we've just seen astronomical growth, uh, not personally in this brewery, but just in the awareness, I think, of sour beers and wild cultures and you know brewers around the country are really getting exciting it's kind of like the next frontier of brewing are these these wild uh native yeasts and and figuring out ways to make good beer with them so that's kind of how it it started was just uh at at some point i don't really know how a person decides what they want to do with their their life but at some point i thought you know wouldn't it be swell to work in a small brewery and, and own my own brewery and uh, kind of worked towards that goal for the next bunch of years, and uh, then here I am. <laughs> Somewhere along the line, I decided I wanted to make oak-aged sour beer, and that's uh, all we do here. Well, that is a very cool story. And, uh, you know, I I, I, I got to believe that, that you're helping, you know, get uh, uh, the, the word out about sour beers as well, because your uh beers are so well made and there's such a, a great balance to those that uh it really is you know very pleasant so somebody who hasn't tried sour beers before um you know they they can they can get into it based off of trying your product or you know there's there's a couple others that i think have you know started to push in that direction as well and and uh it's really opened up new territory to beer drinkers of of at least the United States, if not elsewhere. Oh, I think so. I think that it's 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 really great to see. I mean, we certainly couldn't be you know the popularity and, and sour beer is still you know relatively very small, I imagine, compared to beers like IPA and things like that. But mm-hmm. you know, the popularity we, we couldn't we couldn't have done it all ourselves. But that is one thing that we we try to do is is create beers with balance that have sour notes to them but also have other complexities and being unfiltered and unpasteurized if you really enjoy that uh, sour aggressive sour note you can mature the beer uh, at home on your own and, and really develop that you know occasionally we'll bring out a, a year or two or three year old bottle um, and it's it's surprising to see some of the, the developments that can occur mm-hmm. in that period of time and of course we have oak here that has beer in it that's, that's that old and uh, mm-hmm. those beers are Amazing in their their difference and their complexity, and that sometimes their sourness, and then sometimes the surprising lack of sourness. It's uh, mm-hmm. you never really know a hundred percent what's going to happen when you put beer into a barrel. That's that's one thing I've learned anyway. Well, it's a, it's a very cool thing. It's it's beer as a as a living thing, not beer as a filtered and pasteurized product that's static or just staling. It's something that's that's alive and changing. Uh, based on you know how it's treated and how much time goes by exactly and that's how i i try to try to talk to people and try to educate too strong a word but try to inspire them to think about our beers and people are asking about you know consistency and how do you make you know maintain consistency or i had this oro that was a year old and it tasted nothing like the oro i had last week and you know so your beers are completely inconsistent. And I say, no, 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 they're very consistent, as consistent as we can make them. Uh, you know, we, we with La Roja, for example, we do a very careful blending of each batch that we bottle to make sure that we're getting it as close as we can. But we have to take time into account. So even when we're creating those blends, we have to think, okay, this is what the beer tastes like in the bottling tank, but by the time we release it, it's going to be in the bottle for maybe a month, um, and then it will be moving through time and continuing to develop and mature and so you can never really 
accurately compare our beer because you need to compare it at the same time. So the Oro at eight weeks or eight months is going to taste like the Oro at eight weeks or eight months, but it's not going to taste like the Oro of four months or a year and a half or however long it may be. So you always have to be keeping that, that fourth dimension, that, that time element uh, in mind when you're, when you're thinking about our beers and uh, when, when I'm thinking about brewing and designing beers for what we do here, it's, it's definitely something that plays into the recipes. It's, it's a part of our brewery here that you really have to think about in, in ways that other breweries either don't or maybe just for a limited selection of their beers, maybe a barley wine or something they might mature for a while before releasing, but most don't. Well, and our, our listeners have challenged us to try and brew uh, Madrugada Obscura, the Dark Dawn. Uh, what was the inspiration behind that beer? Well, um, uh, well, a little bit like our our Bam beer, um, in the the fact that I was interested in creating a beer that didn't really exist uh, in uh, a lot of senses and uh, something that there were really only a few examples of that I knew of and, and certainly not enough to be called a, a style at that point. I was uh, trying to, I, I called it a, a Belgian-inspired stout, and there were you know, a few stouts from small breweries in Belgium that I had tried, and uh, I found it a pretty, pretty interesting idea to take a really big um, kind of imperial-esque stout, if you will, and take something like our Belgian uh, you know, White Labs 550 yeast that can ferment uh, beers with a lot of alcohol and create a lot of flavors of its own, a lot of nuances of its own, and, and then take that and put it in oak, and instead of getting this kind of big, overwhelmingly malty or sweet beer, thin it, dry it, give it a little bit of a venuous kind of sourness in the finish, and uh, see what folks made of it. So the inspiration was kind of doing something that really hadn't been been done that I was aware of and uh, putting our kind of our own little artistic spin on it. I think it, it comes from, as I said, the, the, the literature background is, is kind of my foray into to arts and, and creativity and it continues through with what we do here with the malt and the hops and the yeast is I've, I, I like to uh, I like to fancy myself a creative individual and so in that in that sense, we kind of are uh, pushing and always looking for new new things, which are really just piles of old things put together in different ways most times. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you help us with the the grain bill on this? What what sort of uh, uh, malts and stuff are you using in there? Well, it's a pretty complicated one, and uh, I'm generally not a fan of really complicated grist bills. Just as I was explaining, I'm not usually a fan of complicated procedures of any type. Um, but this, in my thinking about this beer, I really wanted it. The, the stouts that I had from the small Belgian breweries really had kind of a, I don't know, it doesn't sound great, but kind of this kitchen sink kind of a feel to them where you just wanted to make this big, crazy beer and, and throw a bunch of whatever you had on hand into it. Uh, fortunately, or, or maybe unfortunately, I'm not that type of a brewer. <laughs> I can't, I can't do, just do that, so I had to think about I can't just go and say, okay, um, here's all the malts I have in my brewery. Here's put a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I had to think about the flavors, and I had to think about what each malt was contributing and how much of that particular flavor contribution I was looking for and kind of dial it in that way. I really 
when I'm designing a beer, I really like to think about the beer and how I want it to look, smell, and taste first, and then work backwards to a recipe rather than looking around my brewery and seeing what ingredients I have and, and making a beer. I, I sort of start with the finished beer, the vision of the finished beer. Um, and in this case, it had a lot of complexity. And so I've got some other really great beers. If you want to talk about the Noel maybe sometime, that mm-hmm. uh, I took more of my normal philosophy on. It has, it has I think there's um, three malts in the Noel. Um, the Madrugada, on the other hand, has more than I could fit in my normal brew log, so I have to actually li- draw in a couple of lines underneath it. So uh, we've got some, some Pilsner malt and some pale malt. I've, I've got about 50% Pilsner malt and about 10% uh, pale, pale ale malt. And I do these blends of base malt on a lot of my beers to... I try to bring out a, a, a evoke a rustic nature to the malt. I don't want the clean biscuity pale ale flavor and I don't want the crisp cleaner grain flavor of a Pilsner malt I'm looking for a malt that you know is all well modified because I don't have a very uh, sophisticated mashing system just a single infusion mash so I'm looking for a well modified malt but perhaps replicating the flavor of a malt that has many degrees of modifications within its you know its lot something old and and rustic uh, is what I'm kind of trying to evoke with a lot of these blends of different base malts um, then I thought, well, I'm going to use more roasted barley than I've ever used before in any stout that I've ever brewed because um, we're just trying to go for that over-the-top craziness here that I sort of was felt inspired by some of the, like, uh, the Dole, the Mad Brewers, uh, in, in some of their beers and in their stouts. So now this may not sound crazy to a lot of folks uh, listening, but to me, for the beers that I brewed, and I brewed a lot of stouts, dry Irish stouts and whatnot over the years, I put in 12% roasted barley, which for me was, I thought this beer is going to be awful. There's, there's, there's no way this is going to turn out well with 12%, uh, but I really wanted to be over the top with that. Uh, it turns out it's quite not over the top. It's kind of a very nice uh, contribution, but uh, I was kind of amusing coming up with it. We've got some Crystal, some Crystal 80. We talked about Crystal 80 before being a nice, smooth, subtle crystal that tends to for me tends to smooth things together it can bring parts of the beer together in a way that's not obvious right off the bat it can transition between different flavors so we have about three percent of that i really wanted to bring out really punch up the maltiness in this beer again we were kind of looking at something uh, a little bit more european than a, or well continental european i should say than a, than a, a british or an irish or stout so I, I threw in, um, well, I didn't really throw it in, but I figured I wanted about 8%, give or take, Munich malt. Mm-hmm. And uh, I use a dark Munich. I, I like a 20-degree Lavabon Munich in that, if I can get it. Mm-hmm. I can't always get it. We've got some wheat malt because uh, uh, sort of in a time, a contrarian kind of a mood, we want this, as I said, we, we want this big, imperial-esque stout, but we're going to take it through our fermentation and through the, the wild fermentation, and we're going to thin it up. So right away, I know that eventually it's going to become not so big and bulky, but nice and, and thin, uh, lean, and so we're putting in some wheat malt, about 6% wheat malt, to help with that, help with the body, and the head contri- uh, the, you know, uh, c- contribute some more proteins for healthy head formation. 
Um, again, we we didn't want, we wanted to develop a lot of carbonation in the bottle. We want a nice moussey head to add texture. I didn't want it to sort of some insipid sort of little foam on top of the beer. So we've got about six percent wheat. Um, in case we didn't get enough roasted flavor and the beer wasn't dark enough, <laughs> already off the color chart that I could calculate, we threw in um, about a percent and a half black malt to really make it obsidian. I wanted it to be impenetrable to light, and so we, we added some black malt. I, f- I find that black malt, you know, certainly in higher quantities, you can get a little bit of an ashen note, but most of the time you can just use it and, and really darken colors up without too big of a flavor contribution. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, uh, back to lightening the body up, we're going to use some sugars in the brewing process. A lot of my beers, in particular my bigger beers, I'm, I'm looking for a, a light drinkable beer, e- even if it is 7 or 8 or 9% alcohol. So we tend to use a lot of sugar around here. And uh, that particular one, I went through a number of different blends of, of different sugars before I really settled on um, you know, what, what I liked. You know, we started with different uh, Belgian candy sugars, and I wasn't really happy with what I was able to get. We tried some of those uh, the, the Belgian syrups that are available now, the candy sugar mm-hmm. syrup, whatever it's called. Uh, again, th- those were all okay, but not really happy with the final flavor. So I, I settled on my own special secret blend of uh, sugar uh, sugars that I use in, in that. Mm-hmm. But that could be some fun for your listeners to, or or you 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 guys who are brewing it to kind of taste the beer and think about what what are the sugars in here, uh, and a good a good primer on sugar flavors, uh, at least one that I've tried recently. Those two two new beers from from Garrett Oliver is local one and local two, brewed with different brewing sugars, and uh, you could take that maybe a bottle of our Oro, which is just dextrose and there is the sugar and kind of get an idea for some of the flavors that you can develop with different different sugars and uh, mm-hmm. and taste the madrigata and see what, what sugars you think are, are going to contribute those flavors. Okay, very cool. So, any, fun, any, fun times any, with sugars. So nothing else in the uh, in the grist or, or in, the, uh, in the kettle on that, huh? One, uh, two, three, four, five, six, seven... Seven malts and three different sugars, so wow. ten. And then, uh, how about how about the hopping on this one? Well, I wanted a fair IBU to uh, thin it out, uh, not really thin it out, but balance. I guess I should say the uh, malt framework that we were developing. I didn't want a big flabby malty beer, uh, as we as we talked about. We know it's going to to dry up and become a little vinous, and I wanted some hops to really hold it all together. So we shoot for about 37 IBU on that. Mm-hmm. Ends up being a little over 8% alcohol by the time it's done with bottle conditioning. Mm-hmm. And uh, really the hops, are, as far as the hop variety, are relatively unimportant. Um, we kind of, actually, as I'm looking through my brew log, we have shifted around. We kind of went through this thing, um, a lot of brewers did at the uh, tail end of 07 and through a lot of 08 in that there were a lot of hop varieties that weren't available to us, and um, we were we were forced to to use a little bit more creativity in our hopping bills than when we have in the past, where we could just say, "Oh, I want this hop," call up and order it. Uh, you know, we we were told that uh, you know the hops that we had 
been planning to use were completely unavailable and the price had gone up 500%, et cetera, et cetera. So on the Madrugada in particular, the hops, you know, it's important to get a certain amount of bitterness and uh, I wasn't looking for citrusy bitterness. So I used non, non-citrusy hops. Um, um, the two, two that I'm looking at right now, looks like we have Fuggles and uh, some Nugget in there as well. But I know that in other batches we use different hops. Mm-hmm. And this is just a, uh, a bittering edition? Uh, I have a bittering, and a bittering edition and a 30-minute edition. Mm-hmm. And I use the higher alpha hop as the bittering, so I can use less of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then uh, how about the, the starting gravity on this? Well, again, with the bottle conditioning and the high attenuation rate that we usually get, our starting gravities tend to be lower than most people would expect when we're ending up with our alcohol of over 8%. Mm-hmm. Our original gravity is 1071, mm-hmm. and it probably wouldn't be uncommon for it to get down to you know, 1010 or something like that, maybe even 108 at bottling. Mm-hmm. And uh, how about uh, the boil time? Is this also a 60-minute boil? Or? Yes. Mm-hmm. And, Big fan uh, of the 60-minute boil. Uh-huh. And a mash temperature, a low mash temperature to get that fermentability? Exactly. We're looking for about 149 degrees. And, and in particular, with these sugars, you need to be careful because a lot of these sugars, although um, they say that they have XYZ fermentability, same as malt, uh, et cetera, et cetera. They, they don't, um, and mm-hmm. they can really hang up and stall your fermentation if you're not really careful. And, and for that, we do, we do try to maintain that, that low, uh, maybe even 147 um, mash temperature. And we also try, this one is a little tough because of the sheer volume of grain for us to do uh, the normal sort of a little bit wetter mash than, we, than, than other breweries might run. But we try to get it as as wet as we can. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, uh, what about fermentation? What uh, what strain do you start with on this? Our house yeast, which is White Labs WLP five fifty. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it goes into uh, uh, barrels for for souring and aging. Exactly. We we after the primary fermentation is complete, we'll transfer it into our oak barrels where we have all the naturally occurring dexter wild yeast and, and souring bacteria that we've built up over the years in, in the barrels, and uh, we allow it to mature in there. With the stout, when it first releases, like a lot of our beers, we're looking for a balance and blend of the, the grainville and the sourness and the wild yeast. And if, you, if we were to mature a beer like this for a year, and we do actually sometimes, um, for a year or even longer before bottling, you tend to, I don't, you you gain sourness and you gain complexity from the wild yeast, but you start to lose the other ingredients. And with this beer, with all this malt <laughs> that I've put in it, uh, I, I really wanted some of that to come through. So we generally give the madrugada about one month in oak and try to give it another month in the bottle before we release it for sale. Mm-hmm. And what sort of fermentation temperature do you start with on this one? We like to start the 550 relatively low at, say, 64 to 66 degrees Fahrenheit, and then we mm-hmm. just let it free rise until the end of fermentation. Mm-hmm. But we have open fermenters, and I should caution that I imagine in a closed 
fermenter, you would build up heat a lot more quickly mm-hmm. and uh, to a higher, probably a higher final temperature than we have, and that could be detrimental. You may stop your fermentation prematurely if the temperature gets too high. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That would be uh, a concern of mine. And I would probably, I get concerned when our yeast gets above 80 degrees, um, and uh, certainly if it's over 82 or 84, I start to see strange things happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm good. I'm not so good. <laughs> now, how about water? Do you guys uh, make any special adjustments on your water for, for your various beers? We do. All of our water is filtered. Uh, Dexter has a small village, and the municipal system still uses a lot of chlorine um, in uh, their sanitizing of water, and they also tend to have days of really high iron, um, as well as sometimes other random fluctuations in the water. So we have a a filter that removes chlorine and and iron, but other than that, relatively relatively little else. Of course, you know, if there's any other turbidity in the water, it'll it'll take that out too. Um, And then Dexter also has very, very high calcium levels. And so that's where you get a little bit of that mineral note that you can taste uh, in a lot of our beers. You get, you can, uh, some of that calcium does precipitate out in the mash and, and some participate, the precipitates out of the, the water as we heat it for sparging, but there still is a relatively high level of calcium mm-hmm. uh, in the water. We tend to adjust the pH uh, so that we can get a favorable pH in the mash as well. And mm-hmm. um, we, we use phosphoric acid to adjust the pH of the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit stronger acid and it allows us to use less uh, because of the buffering uh, capabilities of Dexter's water. It's, it's pretty, pretty uh, whatever else is in there that acts as a buffer, it's pretty robust. And some of the other less, uh, uh, less strong acids, such as lactic acid, we would have to add enough that you could start to change the flavor profile of the beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could taste the lactic acid in there. So, start to become kind of sour. Uh-oh. Right, exactly, <laughs> but in a fakey kind of way. Right, uh, right. So as as soon as we 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 realized that was was happening, uh, we we stopped using lactic acid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like to say uh, beer soured with lactic acid is kind of like a microwave steak, really missing a lot of the sizzle of uh, naturally occurring sourness. I don't know. I, microwave steak is so bad. <laughs> lactic, lactic sour beers are bad, but I don't know if they're that bad. That's pretty harsh. Okay, so any other tips you have for us on, on trying to uh, brew a beer like this? Good luck. I mean, the stout, I've taught, I, you know, I don't mean that in like a tongue-in-cheek sort of way. I mean, honestly, because this beer, I've, you know, I've tried to, I've worked with some other brewers and tried to design similar beers and um, there really seems to be a, an attenuation problem in effect sometimes we have it here uh, in which case you know fortunately with the wild yeast we can just wait a little longer I, I mentioned maybe giving it a month but in the past when we've had some attenuation problems in primary fermentation we've just let it dry out in the oak a little bit before longer uh, before bottling it so we kind of have that adjustment factor and I, and I suppose if someone was doing a secondary fermentation with with wild yeast uh, at home or on a homebrew, homebrew-sized batch, you know, they, they would have similar the similar ability to just kind of wait it out. But right. it, it can be a really difficult beer to get attenuate uh, a, a proper attenuation on. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. fantastic. Thank you so much for for your help uh, with uh, 
trying to uh, reproduce a, a, a Dark Dawn. And uh, thank you so much for taking your time with us. And, uh, if it turns and out thank- well, you'll have to send me a bottle. Yeah, well, and thank you so much for, for making all the great beers that you make and, and really uh, introducing a lot of creativity into the, into the beer culture in the United States. It's really cool. Well, thank you. I'm glad you appreciate it. I mean, I, I enjoy brewing beer, and I, I think that, you know, I, people always ask, well, what's your favorite beer to brew? And for me, I mean, every beer is just as fun. I mean, I had just as much fun brewing pale ales and porters and stouts, as we talked about earlier, as I do making the sour beers, as, as far as the brewing process goes. I mean, it, it's just fun to brew beer. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's really here, you know, where with the aging and the blending, um, that we we start to be able to do some pretty interesting and creative things, but it's it's all fun, start to finish. Mm-hmm. Any beer is fun to brew. Fantastic, thanks again, Ron, and uh, uh, hope to to see uh, Jolly Pumpkin uh, grow uh, at least a little bit more, so so I can get your beers easier in in my local market. <laughs> oh, we would love that. We would love yeah. for that. Definitely. Fantastic. All right, thank you. You're welcome. Where were we? You stole an oak barrel from the mist of Ravenwood and Lord Zinfandel the Avenger is in pursuit. Do you drop the barrel and run? Hell no. We need it for a Flinders Red. I'm going to cast Pediacocket's Damnethus on the barrel. Sorry. Your ghosts are imprisoned in his winery forever. I hate it when Greg's the brewmaster. This sucks. What do we have here? Orville Rodenbach? Buzz off, guy. We got a brew session going. Is that an actual beer? Yeah, I crafted it. I don't really use the dice anymore. I'm a 10th level beer nerd. Are you a 10th level beer nerd? Do you get a long-lasting foam stand when you think about wheat malt? Then you're in good company at Northern Brewer. Northern Brewer has all your beer nerd needs. Ingredients, equipment, and knowledge at northernbrewer.com. Plus, fast, cheap shipping. Only $7.99 for the contiguous USA. And check out Northern Brewer's huge selection of dorky beer kits, including the pre-prohibition lager. Perfect for steampunk. And the single hop best bitter. Now on cap and 10 forward. Make 10th level at northernbrewer.com Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmaster's Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmaster's database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmaster's Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. Brewmasters Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BN Army in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. Nico, listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months until the next meeting. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. Hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment nine years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. 
That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Heller High Watermelon Wheat Beer and Brew Free or Die IPA throughout California and Alaska. And now it's also available on draft at select accounts in the Bay Area. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in the can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of their 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Their Williams German Pills is mashed with pure German Moravian two-row barley malt for a light blonde color and malty crispness you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out their unique fermenters, draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and more. They even have their own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse their vast selection and enter promo code BREW at the order checkout for $5 off your next order over $50. Orders placed by 3 p.m. ship the same day. Again, go to williamsbrewing.com and enter promo code BREW at checkout for $5 off your next order. Brewing is easy the Williams way. Live. Beer Radio, the Brewing Network. The Brewcasters. If you're just starting, don't be discouraged by all this stuff. It's exactly. so easy. Just throw it yeah. together. You Put some sugar and some water and some yeast in there. Yeah. Network. <laughs> now back to the challenge. Can you brew it? back all right so this is another real tough one and uh if you know anything about me i'm i'm lazy and uh weak so i turned to my friend mike morass and said hey mike uh got another excruciating impossible beer to make <laughs> difficult challenge for you to make yeah uh yeah go brew this one up uh clone it for us and then uh come back and tell us how you did and uh mike uh is here with us in the studio hello <laughs> Former yeah. Raz will never get like that, you know, pale ale cl- uh, <laughs> challenge from yeah, us. No. You're not going to get any softballs here. I got all the, I get all the softballs for yeah, you. You get all the difficult stuff. There's no we, room for that. We know we got issues. The brewer says, good luck. <laughs> That's yeah, right. Yeah. He did, He's like, ah, ah, ah. Yeah. yeah, well, and I tell you, you know, it would have been a good night for the uh, for the video. You know, I was thinking the same thing. Uh, Blood and fists at <laughs> justintv.com or whatever the heck it is. Yeah, justin.tv. What is it? Uh, yeah, justin.tv slash brewing network. But yeah. it's not up slash tonight. Blood but and fists. You yes. would have seen the fisticuffs come out tonight about these clones and tasty. <laughs> yeah. and Freaking name calling. I've never been so abused from having an opinion. Shut up, bitch. <laughs> See, it was an intense session. I want you oh, listeners still not over to know. It, obviously, come on, wait. get over it, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, um, you know, all these beers are quite good, and uh, I enjoyed them all. And they have slightly different characters, but I think there's something uh, something going on there. Um, all right, uh, let's start with Chad, my man, Chad. <coughs> Clone. Get him while he's awake. See? <laughs> My man, Chad. That's right. You go to Chad. <laughs> right on, he's right on that. He, All right. He wakes up. A clone. Then we'll do me, and then I think we're done. Uh, no, it's got really nice, uh, you know, dark roasted malts, kind of coffee, um, real smooth, a little sour tartness to it. It's it's nice. I mm-hmm. think it did a good job. Yeah. Cloned. 
Justin. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite so easy with me. There's three beers in front of me. Uh, one of them, I'm told, is the Jolly Pumpkin. The other two are uh, attempts from arrest. Two different types. Of course, we did all this blind. This is all the, yeah. the tastings are done blind. There's no. Uh, we only know by shapes. There's a star cup, a wiener cup, and a JP cup. <laughs> Um, okay, so my assumption was that the Wiener Cup and the JP Cup were the home brews, and those are call that an arrow. <laughs> and those two, <laughs> and those two are different. The JP Cup has a, a, a pretty strong sour and uh, an acidic thing with it that is was really non-existent in the Wiener Cup. Um, right. So that that JP Cup, that's the. Jolly Pumpkin dregs, uh, dregs grown up, okay, and then used to ferment it, that. It was the second generation from the band beer. So uh, after I was okay. done, I took a slurry of that yeast. That's why it's so made, sharply sour and made um, definitely more sour. So. And it and it and it improved a lot in the second generation compared to what was used in the band beer, which it was kind of funky and stinky. Yeah, it's yeah. More this a, this was a more of a sour, acidic. Actually, more, turned out kind of nice, not boring. funky. Yeah, right. And then the Wiener Cup. Yeah. Or arrow, as the rest of us call it, <laughs> is uh, yeah. the 550 by itself. And, and it's then... also the second generation from uh, Van Beer. Okay. So. Okay. okay. And it's missing that, that, that sour note that is in the Star Cup, which is um, you know what I think is the, is the actual Jolly Pumpkin. So, here's what happened. We did a little blend. I threw a little bit of that sour of the JP face into the Wiener Cup because... Hey, you uh, looked at me. I, I, I throw it in. He looks at me like I've committed a crime. Sure. <laughs> I thought you were cheating, but then you explained that, you know, uh, uh, you did explain that Ron does the blending too. Right, This right, is a right. blended... No, I think I thought JP you cheated. and Wieners go together. We know there's only one poker. <laughs> JP and Wieners go together. <laughs> right, you had to stick them. Right. Well, I was looking out for our listeners. I didn't want any cheating going on, but you guys explained to me this is a Blended beer. Okay. The Jolly Pumpkin itself is blended. We're saying so that got it closer to the sourness. All right. Yeah. So now I'm I'm on board. Okay, it's closer to the sourness. But here's here's the complication I have. Yeah. The star it's, to me is, drops on your head is, as a child. Here's <laughs> uh, the other complication: thick and rich and roasty and creamy. It has a lot of uh-huh. these characteristics all blended together uh-huh. to make for a very smooth beer. The now blended arrow wiener cup is it it's not it has all those qualities but it's it's not quite as roasty uh-huh. not quite as rich uh-huh. not quite as what i perceive as thick right now in front of me it is not cloned mm-hmm. but i guess this is one of those beers that needs to be aged is what jamil keeps arguing with me about <laughs> and and i and i accepted that with lagunitas when we did their uh, right. brown sugar right that it so we we left it up to the so I'm just I'm being honest with you in front of me right now this beer uh, this beer is you not went cloned, cloned you went cloned still, that time you were convinced of the aging need no no we that. said it wasn't cloned. no I said if you're right about how this beer is going to change in six months I'm with you I'll give it because it has those characteristics no but, but in but, front of but, me but right but now I'm, it's I'm not just cloned. saying on the Lagunitas Brown Sugar Show oh uh-huh. you went cloned based off of that oh in six months that it would be but yes. I had tasted it that way yeah. Well, you know, I had I could speak from yeah, experience, right. and on this one, I I can't. You can apparently because you're telling me that you're positive how this beer is going to change. It's right, still right. Okay. young. It, I don't, it wouldn't even technically left the brewery yet because he's. Yeah. Got, he's okay. You're right. This beer. It, he, what did you say? What did he say? Six months in the barrel, and then a month in the bottle before it even sees the shelf. And yeah. how old is this in front of me? What, three months. Okay. Yeah. All right. Tasty. I don't know why I asked, but go ahead. Go ahead. 
right. Uh, Max eloquent about uh, about these beers. Well, no, I must give you my opinion. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I'm sure I did a little bit of the blending thing too, and I think that's smart. Uh, uh-huh. And I didn't get the you know the right exact blend, but I sensed that I could could blend these these two together mm-hmm. to get uh, something that you know gets about the right pH of the uh, of the actual Jolly Pumpkin. But uh, this is you know Nyhaus where I deviate is where you know I, and I start moving towards you know Justin's thinking, which is that the Jolly Pumpkin obviously has this big, thick, uh, roasty uh, character to it mm-hmm. that stays in the finish. And uh, if it in fact is months old, you know maybe twice as old as Mike's beer, then that's only you know Mike's beer is not going to add that that feature to it over time. It's just it's never going to be as roasty. So I have to say, not cloned. Ah, see here, here's where where I think my vast right, experience right. of. <laughs> Remember all that good stuff we said about you last episode, Moraz? Yeah. How short lived is that? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I call this cloned. I I'd what? say this is far closer than the Bam beer. These right, these we'll are these are <laughs> as 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 going cool. back and change hey, hey, no, no, now. Right. The door is shut on that. Remember we vote that. We're not, we're not revisiting right. that. Uh, the blending, uh, you know. Again, anytime you do something in barrels, um, you know you're going to blend. So Jolly Pumpkin's blending, and that's that's what you have to do. You cannot brew something in an individual barrel, bottle it, and send it out. You got to blend them all together. And what you do is you pick the. And I think Ron even described this. Um, he was, you know, he'd taste from different barrels and say, oh, yeah, a little more of this, a little less of that, you know, oh, you know, we'll blend these two and, you know, include these in, and the, this is good, this is good, and, you know, maybe they throw away some and, and put new barrels in because, you know, you're going to end up having some funky barrels eventually. So um, you got to blend uh, a, a beer like this with oak and sourness and, and you know, Mike and his knowledge is, you know, that's why he's brewing several different batches because he knows that, eh, you know, if you're trying to get sourness just right, yeah, you're going to have to blend back. You, you can't just, you know, brew something, throw some bugs in, and go, okay, the sourness is going to be exactly as I want it. You're going to have to, you're going to have to do some adjustment. Same thing goes for oak. Same thing goes for a lot of flavors. Now, the thing that I think you guys are missing, I think. When you do uh, a lot of roasted barley in a beer, a roasted barley, when you mill it, it turns into this fine powder, and you get these these really fine little these fines, uh, little uh, you know dusty particles that that float around in the beer. And when you when you taste a beer that has a lot of that and it hasn't settled out yet, in six months, if you leave this in a keg, and in six months you will see a layer on the bottom of that keg, a black layer of, you know, sludge on the bottom of that keg, and that will be these fines. That's that's one of the reasons that the head is so much darker on Mike's example than on the long-aged uh, Jolly Pumpkin example, right? The other thing that happens during that time, the alcohols, the waters extract more of that roasted malt flavor from those fines that the, the, the you may feel that the jolly pumpkin beer is roastier now or more chocolatey or whatever given time this beer is going to be the same beer the the creaminess is going to come up you won't get that sharp that sharpness and that 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 uh, that uh, astringent character from all those fines in your mouth and um, it'll be creamy. It'll seem thicker. 
I'm, I'm telling you that the thickness on both of these is the same and that um, it's just a matter of time when those fines drop out and uh, get more worked into the overall character of the beer. This is a beer that takes time, and um, it's going to be uh, an awesome beer. It's going to be the same beer. You get a little blend going, I think uh, 20% of the Jolly Pumpkin beer and uh, 80% of the 550. Uh, I, I, I say it's cloned, absolutely cloned. So that's two on two, and we always give the brewer a vote, Moraz. So what you know? What do you think about it? Let's say it's cloned. You lazy bastard! That's what I do. I wouldn't go far as lazy. These were a lot of work. So I'm the, sure, and, yeah. and these are great beers, but it's like you said, it takes up a lot of freezer space to have multiple kegs. Well, Twenty gallons things, of so. Madrugada Obscura. Yeah, it's a, a great beer. I'm a brewer of five gallons of really 8. roasted 1%, beer. Eight point one percent. You know, yeah. so <laughs> yeah. It's See? Like having 20 gallons of Russian Imperial Stout on hand. But we'll save some, and you know, maybe six months, even a year later, we'll, we'll revisit it and see exactly. I think, I think that's fair and honest. Yeah. I don't think we have to say this is a rebrew, yeah. but I think it would be fair and honest for us to put, your, put, to put it to the test. If you're saying it's going to age right, then we should, yep. we should taste it again. Guarantee you. Yeah. And Ron like said, said, you know. If we we'll get, send some to Ron. Yeah, we'll do that. That sounds good. Yeah, I'll send him one of each. And yeah, he'll know what it tastes like I'm fresh, so ab- he could speak to that. Mm-hmm. I'm absolutely certain Okay, that the character of that roast is going to change the way that you guys are perceiving the other one. It's going to be exactly the same. Now, the sourness, I don't think the 550 is going to get sour like the Jolly Pumpkin. I think you need to add a little bit of um, – but the, the danger is adding it now. Um, I, I didn't have another barrel months. to blend a little yeah, more sour into right. it. So that's I, I, I would, that's I would keep them short. separate and just dose when it goes, like, you know, when it's time to drink. <laughs> I would adjust it that way or real closer it's, to yeah. the, you know, that time. Okay, and this just in, uh, Mraz, you're going to need to clone uh, Cantillon Grand Cru next. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> we won't be as easy on you this time. And, and we right. need it by next month. <laughs> All right. Good job, man. It's they're they're all really good. Uh, I hope Jamil's right. We'll revisit. Uh, you hope yeah. I'm right? Did you get all this down? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope he's Thank right, you. but I'm sticking with Tasty on this one so far. Well, I'm telling you, I, I know exactly what I'm speaking of on this. All one. right, we're gonna find out. I'm mm. absolutely certain. So this this one's you know totally totally cloned to me. Uh, and and uh, I'll tell you what. Why don't we take a uh, short break? And while we come back, Mike, why don't you give us the recipe on how to clone clone this bad boy back after this. Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. White Labs has home brewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. And send. There you go. You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Ah. Uh, White Labs. It's all in the vial. Be 
DN Army members. Are you looking for an even better deal on hops? Keep listening. Nico's Homebrew Supply at NicoBrew.com has hops by the ounce and by the pound. NicoBrew.com will be running their biggest sale on hops yet with 19 varieties for only $19 or less per pound. Varieties like Cascade, Centennial, Willamette, and more. The sale begins October 11th and runs through the 29th. Be sure to use coupon code BNARMY to get these awesome prices. Whether a couple ounces at a time or an 11-pound bag, all hops are shipped vacuum-sealed and frozen straight to you. And $5 flat rate shipping includes all 50 states. And for hops, that means you too, Alaska and Hawaii. The staff at Nico's Homebrew Supply loves to brew and is committed to keeping homebrewing affordable and accessible to anyone who wants to join in this great hobby. Remember coupon code BNARMY for the Brewing Network discount. Visit NicoBrew.com. That's N-I-K-O Brew.com. NicoBrew.com, your bare-bones buddy in the brewing business. In the past year, the Brewing Network has been able to add two new shows, expand our studio capabilities and quality, and bring more beer information home to you than ever before. In no small part, this is due to subscribers like you. Thank you from all of us at the Brewing Network. Without your monthly support of any denomination, we could not bring you the very best in live beer radio like Can You Brew It? Brew Strong and the Sunday Session. Haven't signed up yet? Join your fellow brewers in the BN Army. Sign up today at thebrewingnetwork.com for a recurring donation as little as $2 a month. Besides all the great live radio you'll support, every subscriber is automatically entered in monthly raffles for amazing brew gear like a conical fermenter, a temperature control system, or your own draft setup. Become a part of the Bee and Army today. You will what you feel like. Take awesome and multiply it by two. Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby. <laughs> it's the Brewing Network. And now, suck it, Tasty. All right, we're back. We're talking Madrugada Obscura, which is uh, a, a killer uh, Belgian-inspired stout from uh, Jolly Pumpkin. And, uh, you know, one of the things I really love about that is kind of the balance of the roasty and there's some, uh, you know, some crystal malt and some Munich malt. And, you know, there's a little bit of... Uh, you know, balancing sweetness. Not a lot. It's still, again, you know, Jolly Pumpkin does a lot of dry beers, I think. I don't think they do anything sweet. And, uh, you know, but still, it's got a great balance to it. And it's it's very uh, subtle at 8.1%. I don't think any of us would, you know, taste this beer and go, well, that's that's 8% alcohol beer. you drink that and, and not have a clue, and including your example, Mike. Uh, you know, I... There's no way I would think that's eight percent. It's well hidden. Yeah. Well, how did how did you brew this? I think you did an excellent job, and uh, I think it's, uh, you know, I think that especially the wort was a hundred percent on, and the only thing I'd change is maybe blend the beers and wait a little longer. Um, he gave us percentages for the recipe, so I went with what he said as far as the percentages. The only um, iffy thing that he gave me was the sugars. Um, he didn't give me the exact That's sugar, right. and he talked about a blend mm-hmm. of sugars that he had, um, but he did give some hints. Um, so I went and searched those out. Um, he talked about the Brooklyn Brewery 
and the two different sugars they use in their beer, and then he uses just, I think, the corn sugar in his Casablanca. Um, so that's what I did. I used um, percentage of corn sugar, uh, percentage of terminado sugar, and a percentage of uh, wild flour honey mm-hmm. um, to blend, huh. to kind of give it that. And I've been doing that quite often with a lot of my other Belgian beers. Is using, for instance, just plain sugars too clean, too much terminado is too rummy. Um, so I, I'm, I agree along those lines of blending to kind of the sugars to kind of um, soften. But do you, in, in works. do you really think it shows up in a beer this big and flavorful? Do you um, think uh, maybe in side by sides or uh, the honey might, um, but probably in the terminado, depending on the quality and, and the rumminess of mm-hmm. it. And some of those terminados are really uh, dark mm-hmm. um, and dirty. Uh, so if you, it possibly could. You know, if, if I used a 100% Turbinado, a so, darker Turbinado, and then just a corn sugar, I, you would definitely pick up a difference. You, you like yeah. your, your sugar like uh, Justin likes his women, uh, dark and dirty. And big. <laughs> dark, <laughs> dirty, and rummy. Yeah, <laughs> rummy. So you take hey, advantage. That's a given. Very easy. Yeah. Okay. How, how about a recipe for this one? Okay. Pull this up here. Um, so the percentages are pretty much straightforward, um, and this is also done in pounds. And I'll post the um, kilograms and all the conversions on um, the form when uh, soon. Let's see here. Okay, we have fifty percent uh, pilsner, and I use just continental mm-hmm. pilsner. Um, we have which would be eight point uh, zero four pounds. Uh, roasted barley, 12% uh, roasted barley, more than I've ever used. And this beer is stains everything it touches. <laughs> and what, floor, what roasted barley hoses. did you use? Got to get rid of the stainless uh, steel, Just huh? regular roasted barley. <laughs> um, uh, the, the one that, um, it's uh, like a 550, it's a Great yep. Western? Yep, 550. Um, and that's uh, 1.93 pounds. Uh, pale malt, just regular uh, raw two-row. Ten uh, percent at one point six one. Munich malt. Uh, we have eight percent Munich malt. Um, let's see again. What color was that? Munich. He talks about using dark Munich in mm-hmm. this. Um, and I, there's a little sub note here. I, I kind of ch- tweaked the recipe a little bit. To mm-hmm. I didn't have access to dark Munich. I only had the, the light Munich. So I added a pinch of melanoidin in there to kind of help support mm-hmm. a little bit flavors of that um, along those lines of thinking. So he originally says, and he even kind of goes, "Well, if I have it." Right. So his recipe, twenty love Munich. His recipe is not doesn't sound like a hundred percent set in stone that I have to have my dark Munich. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just making assumptions here, but I'm sure. You know, right. If, if yeah, we don't even know this, if the sample we got had it or not. I even emailed you said, "Hey, you know, he's asking for dark Munich and light Munich. Is there a huge difference yeah. on those two? And you're all yeah at eight percent, and then now you've tasted the beers like uh, it's, well, there's yeah. a lot going I mean, on side by side. I, I still think you could probably pick it out, but that's why I added a pinch of yeah, melanoid in yeah, to help support it. I, I think it's uh, it's probably iffy at best. I wouldn't worry too much about it. So um, he mentions eight percent Munich, and I lowered that to seven point three uh-huh. Munich. Um, and that what color Munich? Uh, was that, that was just the ten ten percent yeah. ten love ten love I mean, ten. Yeah, and I think he mentions the darkest twenty, correct? Right. Um, and then you used how much melanoid? Melanoidin, 0.7%, so it's like 1.1, so just a little. Uh, And then we got white wheat, uh, 6%, 0.96, 
and this is the sugar blends here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terminado sugar, uh, 4.1%. Uh, 6.6 pounds. Uh, corn sugar, 3.3%. 0.53 pounds. And then we got a Crystal 80. He's got a little bit of that, uh, 3%, uh, mm-hmm. 4.8 pounds. And then we got the wildflower honey. I used 2.2%, 0.35 pounds. And then um, a little more black malt. He mentions that in there to help. He wanted this thing as dark as dark as you can get. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1.1, uh, 1. 1.5 pound, or 1.5%. And that's a black patent malted Yeah, that's the uh, grain. 600 malted color. Grain, yeah. uh-huh. That's the dark stuff. Okay. Uh, 0.24 pounds. And then um, that's it. Okay. So and quite hot, a long or, list. What's the what was the mash on this one? Uh, this was also one forty nine, um, and I did also the same thing. I left a little thin. He mentions that he likes his mashes a little thin. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I normally do uh, one point two, one point two five, and I went a uh, one point four um, to help thin it out. And reasons for that is just to help dry this thing out. Mm-hmm. Did you uh, adjust your water at all? Did you add any calcium? He says uh, um, oh, he's got right. a high calcium water. Uh, that's right. He mentions that, and I did. Um, in I, he mentions high calcium, mm-hmm. so I did add, add a little more gypsum. Mm-hmm. Um, the gypsum was up to about 110 parts. Mm-hmm. Is what did I added it up to? That's I just added gypsum. That's it. Mm-hmm. Nothing else. Not, not okay. too creative in the the water additions. My water is really clean. All single digits. Mm-hmm. Um, pH is good. Um, I used to use the 5.2, um, mm-hmm. and I kind of stopped using that and just using the gypsum addition. Mm-hmm. It seems to help with the hops, and, and it's just a yeah. nice, keeps the pH nice, and mm-hmm. right. especially with all these dark. Right, with yeah. a dark beer like this. Yeah. And how about your hops? Hops uh, nugget at 60, um, 13 alpha acids, uh, 0.55 ounces, um, and then fuggles. At uh, 30 minutes, um, and that's five alpha acids, and that's 1.09 ounces. There's uh, not really a lot of hop character in this thing. Did anybody say anything about hop character? No, no nothing yeah. about that. That's not, all hidden. Not in it's any true. of the examples. Total 36 and a half IBUs. Because right. so. I think, you know, if it's aged, you know, seven months before we get it from Jolly Pumpkin, you're not going to get a small Fuggles edition at 30 minutes is... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it makes that some sort of difference, but well, yeah, this would be a really sweet beer without hops, obviously. So yeah, it's making a right. difference, but it's just but, way, way behind the scenes. You know, at a 30 minute edition, I mean, you could use it in a 60 minute edition, and you know. So I, I have a question of, then: Would it matter what kind of hops you use then? Because I wonder if maybe you're just looking for well, bittering, right? But it doesn't. Nah, not on a 30 minute edition, but if if you used. Um, you know, something like Simcoe or something like that, mm-hmm. you might actually it taste it. Yeah. Okay. So, it, 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 you know, it'd be subtle, but there would he be He didn't seem set on his hot bill either, so yeah. it's kind of mm. like, this is what, There'd be, what, there, what I have. There could be something. Side yeah. by side. Uh, Maybe. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you could detect a, a slight difference. Okay. Okay, and how about fermentation? Uh, fermentation was, uh, I think he mentions he wants it down to 64 and then uh, let it go. I can only get it down. I don't have the temperature control to 68. Held it at 68, and then towards the end I let it kind of ramp up to 72. So a little bit different on the fermentation than what he uh, mentions, but I had no physical way to get it down to 64, so I had mm-hmm. to, kind of one of those limitations as a home brewer, and just, that's just what you got to deal with. So 
I'm hoping it turned out. So. Yeah, I think yeah. it did. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, did you uh, have any questions from the uh, chat room? Justin? Yeah, I did end up with one question about this beer. Uh, oh, you oak this thing too. Oh, we'll talk about the secondary too. Also, this one was there's no obviously no dry hop or anything um, like the previous beers that uh, Jolly Pumpkin. Um, and it so I just took some of the chips left over from um, the band beer. They were kind of had a little bit left on, and I proceeded to do the same thing. Put a little bit of um, quarter ounce of if you don't have any chips, obviously just put a quarter ounce in the microwave. Um, kind of double the water with the size. Of, I'm sorry, I keep saying chips, but it's actually cubes. <laughs> right. I, um, I like the cubes much better because they just have um, be just more much more predictable. Overall, yeah, predictable. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of double the water, the size of the cubes, in a little uh, measuring cup, and uh, boil right. them for at least let them boil for a while until the water turns brown. And did you consider taking the cubes from the Bam beer and putting those in the uh, obscura? I did do that. Oh, yeah, okay. That's what I did. Oh, so okay. I, I, I just reused the cubes, but if somebody else obviously didn't right. make the band beer, right. if they just wanted to make this beer straight off the bat, okay. um, they would have that. That would be the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I just repitched the cubes mm-hmm. from the previous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then this one obviously sat in the oak uh, a lot longer. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think he recommends somewhere around six months. Right. Yeah. 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 I think I think uh, you know the only thing I would yeah. change in this is you know just giving it more time. And maybe blending a little bit of the uh, the two. Other than that, I think it's uh, right on the money. It's a great beer. All right. Uh, in the chat, we got uh, what? So a good question uh, from our good friend Blobberglop. He's hanging out with us tonight. He has a good question. It's a good question. And ironically, it's something that we... About beer? Uh, about beer. Okay. And something that we tried and discussed at the break. So Moraz, uh, he has a question about this recipe. Do you think it would make for a good complex stout? Forget the souring, maybe something like an English ale yeast, because he thinks the grain and sugar bill sounds great. Um, we actually did. I did bring an example. I, th- I right. thought the same line, along the same lines. So this is a pretty interesting grain, but let's see what it t- tastes like without any of the Belgian yeast or any of the souring organisms. So I pulled off and brewed um, a three-gallon batch of just using the regular Calal yeast, and I brought it. So what do you guys think? I think I'm a little shocked that Blobber and Moraz are thinking <laughs> along the same lines. Yeah. That's kind of upset my world. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know if I can continue the show. Uh, I think uh, that's, that's so my, didn't, my didn't initial take this, on it. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Something in the time-space continuum yeah. has just broken. Something, something a little odd going there. <laughs> um, actually, um, and not only did you do that for the uh, the Obscura, you also did that for the Bam beer, and you used, uh, what, an English ale? Yeah. You used to use the WLP002. And my original thing was that is if that beer dried out too much, I can back sweeten it with the right. English ale yeast, um, which I didn't need to do, but I brought it just so you guys can kind of get I was shocked that the tannins and the hops right. came through. What was amazing about the Bam beer with the O2 was that it still had a tartness to it, mm-hmm. and we figured that tartness was part of the tannins from the oak, uh, tannins from the dry hopping, and it was. It had a lot of great of characters that the Bam beer had. Right. It was missing some of the sour and the funky, and uh, the spiciness of the yeah. Bam beer. But other than that. Um, that was really cool. And then on this stout, I think um, 
you know, I tried the 01, and I'm not sure. I think Justin liked it as well. I, I thought it was a, that was quite a nice stout. I really did like it. Yeah. It was uh, complex but easy to drink, too. Yeah. One of those, like, two glass types of stouts, not right, a filler. Right. Yeah. yeah. For as big as it is, it's not overly sweet. You obviously, you can see from the mash temp, it's nice and low. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a drinkable beer with a lot of character and a lot of flavor. So, yeah, the recipe works well either way. And, again, I think that would improve as well with... A good six months of uh, hmm. you know just time to let everything settle and meld and let those flavors develop from the uh, those roasted fines. Also, Mike, with the Bam beer one too, a, the, the clean one you yeah. did that you mentioned, he did it with that right, one. Right, that was that tasted co- like competition beer to me. Yeah. Fantastic. Did you get a chance to try the? Uh, no, where did that one? beer go? We drank it. Oh, a little bottle. Little bottle. Yeah. All right. That well, one you said Cal Ale, right? Correct. On this uh, w- yep. with this recipe, WLP 001. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I'm not a huge stout drinker, and part of the reason is because they can be a little too filling. Uh, but that one's going to watch his girl is It's hard yeah. to finish a pint. I agree. Yeah. I, some of them, it's like, give me a two-ounce pour, and I'm. It, it's a great beer, but it's hard to finish a pint. Yeah. Some of those big, thick, heavy, you know, I just can't handle all that residual sugar. I, I like the yeah. characteristics of it's it. It's well attenuated. Really but, so that one wasn't that way. That I felt like I could, yeah, give yeah. me a pint or two. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, that was it from the chat room, though. They just uh, wanted to know about that. Other than that, they're, everyone's impressed with you, Mraz. You were able to, at least on this one, half clone it. Yeah. <laughs> half clone it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm know, sorry. If I, if I got one out of well, four, no, it's I would have yeah. no, yeah, yeah. been it's a good a score. Big, That's true. Hard, not not yeah. half. 60%. 60% is a win in this. <laughs> yeah, by jury. Yeah, and again, it is you're right. again this, you're right. is, this is not a democracy. You're right. It's a dictatorship. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we're calling this one clone. <laughs> Good go. No, I, you know, and, and we, we, we are, we are, <laughs> my show. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so. We're going to get another we, Jamil. We don't want to turn on, turn this Bring on. Bring the other guy. Be our third um, Jamil. Uh, you know, and, and, and in this show, we are hypercritical. I mean, we want to be very yeah, careful. Yeah, we want to be above board here. In this uh, of, you know, doing anything that would, uh, you know, make it seem like, oh, we're just saying it's clone. We've well, got to make sure yeah. we're 100%, um, you know, really... Think that you could, uh, people can make it with this the information. Yeah, yeah. Right. What's the point of sending them out there to make something they can't make? With right. it? No, we think you can't. Well, and, you know, I had a lot more fear about that when we were doing the uh, Brewing Classic Styles. Palmer and I were working on Brewing Classic mm-hmm. Styles, which you can pick up in the Brewing Network store, signed copies, matter of fact. Um, and, uh, you know... My concern was, well, we'll send these recipes out there. I know our excellent recipes, things, you know, I, I, I personally vouch for. And, um, you know, somebody will brew them, and it just won't work out right. Because yeah. they got different equipment and all yeah. the stuff, and they're just going to turn out with these crap beers, right? And then they can say, well, crappy recipes, it's all your fault. So that was my big concern on this thing. I, you know, I was sure. like, oh god, this is just—it's not going to work out. I don't see how anybody can make a recipe book and really turn out good recipes because you know who, who who's going to be able to do it. The reality is, pretty much everybody who's brewing them—they're having great results. They really loving the beers. People are winning best of show. They're you know they're placing in competitions they never yeah. placed in before, and they're doing great. And I'm just shocked. Think about the other side, though. It's like 
they know they have a good recipe. So if there's right, a problem right, with it, yeah. they can find it easier right. instead of changing the recipe around 20 times right, and then right, not right. figuring out the problem. Yeah, there's a lot of it. So then they, go, it, they can go back and take a step back and say, you know, I have a fermentation issue or something right, else. Right. Or They're what calibrating too. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. So. But I was just shocked that it worked out at all. I thought <laughs> there's just no freaking way. That'd be so it's vocal. Not the, work. Uh, this, is, this is the end right here. Yeah. And so I'm not shocked when we do these clone recipes, and a lot of them were like, cloned. There you go. It's exactly on the money. You know, the, the, the popular belief, the popular wisdom is that, well, you know, the systems are so different. Oh, you're really going to have trouble, you know, making the same beer. You sort of make a beer, sort of like it. But I think we really understand how to make those tweaks. You know, it's especially on IBUs, on color, on, on certain right. things, on hop character. We know how to tweak those recipes that they give us to make it match. It's and, like, you know, obviously, if, and if you, if you get the right grains and the right hops... You know, and the and do this at the right temperatures. Right. You're going to make a beer that's pretty close. I mean, it's kind of, right, you're right. already starting in the you know at the sweet spot. But some of these clone beers that we've done, I mean, they're so close. Yeah, yeah, sure. I think you could slip it into the brewery, and they'd be like, "Yeah, yeah. Well, that's cloned." A lot of beer we we say we you think know, they'd, they'd we, be we'll like, "Oh, wrong. you know, th- this turned out great." Right. <laughs> you know, like this the mirror bond, for example. So close. <laughs> if he could have brought it right into the brewery, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You'd run it into the brewery in <laughs> Baghdad. and They'd run me right out. They are desperate yeah. for beer. Uh, I will say a, a lot of Mraz fans in the chat, uh, there's some suggestions. Uh, there's a couple of watch out, Jameels. Here comes Mraz. There's uh-huh. a suggestion for Brewing Classic, for sta- another, uh, Brewing classic <laughs> Sours by Mike Mraz. Classic Sours. There you go. And uh-huh. I was making fun earlier saying that you should do uh, Cantillon Grand Cru. Uh, Actually, there was talk about uh, Rodenbach Grand Crew. Oh, yeah, so yeah. watch out, Morris. Yeah, we, we got all sorts. We got all sorts of requests for sour beers. Oh man! I think, uh, you know, <laughs> That's we just a good one. To, you know what we need you to do now, uh, Mike, <laughs> is uh, do the interviews. Brew the beers. They come down here and, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'll like record it. A roving reporter. I think Jamil just retired. Yeah, all in one yeah. sentence. He's uh, outsourcing. Outsourcing. It, <laughs> he just outsourced the outsourcing show. Yeah. All right. I just want to point the the chat room's really liking you, Mike. Good well, job. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Great job. I think great uh, people. It's it's a tough one to to clone and I again, I think the the toughness of cloning something like this is, you know, you got to brew enough of them that you can blend and you can yeah. balance the sour, you can balance the oak. Just like they're doing a, a Jolly Pumpkin. They're right. blending and they're, they're doing it by taste. Yeah. Right. And I think something like this, you, you got to give it some time. I think it's 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 a young version I I'm absolutely certain this will turn out exactly like the uh, Jolly Pumpkin beer. I, let's wait six months, wait for it to settle out, and let's send it to uh, uh, Ron. And uh, you know, I bet you he'll be shocked at, at how it turned out. I'd be interested to see how old the commercial example we had too. Right, just a, well, a reference point. Uh, so. You know, since you're going to go ahead and start doing interviews, why don't you give Ron a call and uh, <laughs> give him the batch number there. 360, 362. And, uh, you know, find out and then report back to us uh, on a later show. I'll be... <laughs> in the Bahamas. I'll be relaxing. Uh, He'll be calling in from the Bahamas. My, my brewing network yeah. profits and, uh, yeah. you know... Going on a Pacheco vacation. Uh, taking a Pacheco uh, sneaker vacation, yeah. So where you sit in the car for a while? Somebody craps on your car. You know, just sit there. Put you the seats back in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Pacheco vacation here at Cal. All right. Yeah, well, he's got leather seats. It'd yeah, be yeah. great. Heated, yeah. Turn on the heat, the seat here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I live in large. Hello. Uh, that's what I can afford. Good. Well, if you can afford a little bit more, um, you know, hit up our uh, our great sponsor, Northern Brewer, and go to the site. Uh, www.northernbrewer.com and uh, you know spend a few uh, pennies there uh, telling them how much you appreciate uh, having this show if you like it um, you know it's uh, it's a good opportunity to uh, you know uh, praise them for supporting us and if you get a chance uh, you know check out other things you can help uh, support the brewing network on uh, donate now button there's uh you know, uh, as little as two bucks a month, you get entered in uh, raffles for great things like uh, brewing systems and fermenters and heating and cooling systems and all sorts of great stuff. Really uh, a great way to support the Brewing Network and keep the programming going that you enjoy. And uh, until uh, the next time, uh, make sure and brew strong.